of the living God, we honor you and we reverence you right now. We stand in holy awe and fear and reverence of your presence. And we thank you, God, that you bless us not only with your omnipresence, but God, with your manifest presence, that you will allow us to feel your presence in this building, in this room. Lord, I pray right now the same thing that is being felt in this room can be felt online for those who could not make it, God. We just want to see you how you are, God. Show us your glory. God, we want more of you, and we're passionate and we're hungry to seek you, Lord. We seek your word because your word is what you hold above that of your own name, God. We seek it to be closer to you, Lord God, to have a closer fellowship and a closer relationship. And God, as the words of life go forth, God, melt away anything that is not like you, God. Anything that would hinder our perception, God. Anything that would skew our worldview and keeping us from seeing you how you would like to be seen, God. We bow before you, Jesus. Oh, Spirit of the living God, fall fresh in this room. Fall fresh on us. Make your presence known to every man and woman, boy and girl that is in this room. Make it known to us, Lord God, to every man, woman, boy and girl that watches now or in the future online that you are God and beside you there is none other that you are holy. And we give you praise and thanks. Now, Lord, speak your servants. Listen, hide us behind your cross that they see not me, but that they see you. They hear not your, my words, but that they hear yours. Speak your words of life through my vocal cords by the power of your spirit. And I pray that we receive it and grow in the name of Jesus, we pray. And the people of God said amen. amen. Somebody shout and give God a praise in this place. He is worthy. He is worthy. I hear the word saying, holy, holy, holy. The whole earth is full of his glory. Can you give him a praise for a God that's worthy of it? There is none beside. Open up my eyes and show me, show me. Who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me with your love to those around me. Hallelujah. How many are glad to be in the house of the Lord? Can you give God a hand clap and also welcome our online family, those who watch with us from all over the world.
we're humbled that God is moving and living in our fellowship. God is moving in this place. Can you just feel the presence of God? Isn't that worth? Isn't that awesome? I know we have time limits and things like that, but there, God is eternal, and sometimes it's just good to stop what you're doing and put your agenda on hold. I, I know we got to get to the service, but you know what? Somebody came in here on fumes, and this was the last place they wanted to be, but they couldn't find the strength to make it, and right now, they've gotten the refreshing of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because sometimes you have to put your clocks to the side. You have to put your agenda to the side, and you have to be like Jacob and say, God, I'm tenacious enough to know that you are going to give me something so I'm not going to let go of you until you bless me so I'm not going to get in the way of God moving I sense God moving in this place if you need something from God will you just lift your hands right now where you are and begin to worship him and thank him for what he's doing we thank God in expectation as we agree with heaven for what he will do in this earth right now give him whatever you need God is able to supply and my God is able to meet all of your needs, everything you need. If you need healing, God's able to meet it. If you need finances, if you need peace in your home, if you need just, just some stability to your life, God is able to meet those needs. And right now, while the atmosphere is right and God is moving, if you need something, will you just worship him for a moment? Give him praise. Hallelujah. You don't need me to get what you need. I'm here to give the word of God, but all you need, the veil of the temple has been torn. You don't need a man to get to God. Right where you stand, you have access to the Father through Jesus Christ. Right now, you can pray to the Father, and he'll give you what you need. Somebody's struggling in their mind right now. God will give you what you need. He will do what the doctors can't. He'll do what Ritalin can't. He'll, he'll do what other things can't. God can do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ever ask or think. Won't you worship him today? Holy, there is no one like you. There is none beside you. Open up my eyes in wonder. Show me who you are and fill me with your heart and lead me to those around. The book of Romans, starting at chapter 5. The book of Romans, chapter 5. Romans, chapter 5, starting at verse 1. I'll wait. Don't feel the need to be rushed. This is what church is for. You waited all week long to get here. You struggled all week long to get here. You've gone through six days of hell and high water. You've gone through six days of trouble. I'm not going to rush you. If you need something from God, I still see people getting what they need. Get what you need. 
This is what the hospital is for. Sometimes the distractions of life will keep us from hearing and being near God. But isn't it wonderful when the people of God come together on one accord with one mind sight? We may all need different things, but we have a God that can supply every need. Get what you need. This is the house of God. This is the place where the presence of God is manifest among his believers. If you need something, get what you need. He's willing to supply it. Jesus. Thank you, God. Those of you who can, can read with us. Those of you who are still getting from God, continue to do so. The word of God from the book of Romans chapter 5. Started in verse 1 through 11. You don't have to put your hands down. You don't have to stop worshiping because we stop reading. We may be in one place, but you stay in the place where God is touching your life. You, take, you stay in the place where God is working with you. Therefore, since we have been justified by faith. Thank you, Jesus. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. And we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. And endurance produces character. And character produces hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. For while we still were weak and while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, much more now that we are reconciled, shall we be saved by his life. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have received reconciliation. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated in the presence of God. You can be seated if you can. If you don't want to be seated, I always want you to know that you're at liberty to worship God here. We're not in some type of hurry or some type of form. We're, we don't try to put a limit on God. If the God is moving with you, wherever he's moving with you, if he wants you to move, if he wants you to worship, you are not restricted in this place. You are at liberty and free to worship God in this place, however he sees fit. Your worship might not be my worship. Some people may cry. Some people may lift their hand. Some people may take off running. That's just fine with me. Well, I don't know where you you are in your relationship with God, but I want you to know that where the spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty and there is a freeness. Can you feel a freeness in this place? Hallelujah. 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 
the word of God for the people of God. Paul is talking to us today. And he's letting us know something that is powerful. He's letting us know after all the weeks that we've gone through and been studying Romans about all the wrath that we know that God has stored up for sin and that all of the wrath that we by our sin nature deserves and we can't get out of it because it was in our sin nature. It's in our spiritual DNA that God does something that's amazing that not by works for by the works of the law, no man can be saved. <laughs> but God loved us so much, he didn't want us to get in the way. He wanted to make sure that there was easy access to him. And so we don't have to climb a mountain. We don't have to build a monument. We don't have to run a million miles. All we have to do is simply believe. And now we get to some of the good news that Paul is telling us this morning, that therefore, and we always remember, because we are smart Christians in this place, and we not only have on our spiritual hats, but we have on our thinking hats, that he's saying that there is a therefore. What is that? Therefore, therefore, because last week he let us know that we are justified by what? Faith. <laughs> justified. That makes it simply just as if I had never sinned. That if I believe on the name, the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ, everything that I've done, all the sins, even in my spiritual DNA, are now wiped away. They are wiped clean. David put it this way in the Psalms, though my sins be as scarlet, thou will make me white as snow. That was a prophetic word from David. David was letting us know God's ability to take people who are scarred and marred by sin, people who are scarred and marred by the mistakes of their past, and none of us are exempt. Some of us may cover it up better than others because we recovered better than others. Some people couldn't recover as well, but some of them uh, weren't able to make it to the level that we've gotten to now. We're not locked up, we're not in jail, and we've got an ability to buy nice clothes and put things on, and we make it look like we've got it all together, but some, we recovered a little bit better than some, maybe, but the truth of the matter is, even if we've recovered, we've all come from the same place, needing the same grace, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We are all coming from the same place. None of us are better than the other. I'm not better than you because I stand here. I am just submitted to Christ and his will and his way. I am a vessel willing to be used by him. And not only does this place stand for ministry, but as we grow, there are many places that are stand for ministry because ministry goes well beyond the four walls of this church. The encounter church, the church of the Lord Jesus Christ goes wherever you go because because the kingdom is in you. The kingdom of God is in your hearts and in your minds and the things that you learn on Sunday morning and during your devotionals during the weekend from God through prayer. Those things you take out into the world to be salt and to be light. And Paul is letting us know, yes, there was a cavern. Yes, there was a place that you couldn't get to. And we brought the guys onto the stage and let them jump and let them get over. And we saw by demonstration that it would be impossible of our own work 
works to become right with God. So simply by believing God has bridged the gap, he allowed Jesus to be that gap for us. But there are some things that come with that. For Jesus said this, he says, what man builds a building that first does not count up the cost to know whether he should do it? We had some new members come and we have some new members that are coming in the next few weeks that, that want to be a part. But they'll tell you before you ever join our fellowship, what I want you to know is what we believe and who we are. You need to count up the cost. We don't sugarcoat. We don't try to be something that we're not. The praise team started this discussion this morning and they had no idea that I was preaching this but that was confirmation from the Holy Spirit. You don't get secret sense of sermons. You don't, we don't try to find ways to attract people uh, in, in different ways and things of that nature. We just be who God called us to be. We just preach what God called us to preach. It is the word's job to draw and to drive. You will drive yourself crazy as a church trying to give everybody everything they want, trying to, trying to make sure you have the best children's ministry. That's good. We have a great children's ministry, trying to make sure you look the most relevant and that you have the best bands and that you have the most lights. But I've come to tell you that the church of God has been flowing for over 2,000 years and they didn't have smoke and they didn't have lights and they didn't have nurseries for their kids and they didn't have all these other things. All they had was the word of God. They realized that the word, <laughs> hallelujah, <laughs> those things are great. <laughs> but they do no good if they miss the main ingredient. Thy word is a lamp unto my feet. Thy word is a light unto my path. Yes, we'll have even more of those things, and we have many of those things, but we're not going to get those things to try to attract what I call consumeristic Christians. Those are the people who come to the church looking for what the church can do for them. If that's what you're looking for, I know we love to have members, but I'm sorry, you're in the wrong place. We're not here just to get a load for Sunday morning. We're trying to get a load for heaven. You might want to find another place, but if you're in a place where I'm trying to grow in Christ, if you're in a place where I want a real relationship with Jesus, if you're in a place where I'm tired of stop playing church and I want to be the church, this is the place for you. This is the place for you. We're not going to sugarcoat Facebook. Sometimes it, it blocks what, what can be seen. And was ever since we've been in Romans, I've seen that my sermons don't meet community guidelines and standards. That's fine. I don't have to meet community guidelines and standards. I'm not worried about the, what the community thinks. I'm worried about the maker of the community and what he thinks. And I'm going to preach what he tells me to preach. And I'm going to say what he tells me to say because I don't have to stand before the community. When I get to Revelations 19 through 20 and 21, I have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And if I have to come before God, I may not be able to tell him I had 6,000 members and 5,000 and 5 million followers. But what I can tell him is that the ones that were following me to follow you, Jesus, were genuine. And they followed and they got the unadulterated word of God. 
They're not just following you because they like the praise thing. Thankful for a great, great praise thing. Thankful that God is working and doing some other stuff behind the scenes to even make our live streams better. There's some more good things coming soon. But at the end of the day, what matters is you need to count up the cost to follow Jesus. I am a man. I have a limited lifespan. If you are here to follow me, you are wasting your time because I'm imperfect just like you. You need to follow up the cost of not what it is to follow Willie Barrett. You need to count up the cost of what it takes to follow Jesus Christ. He's telling us there is a therefore there. Why? Because something has happened before. And since we have been justified by grace, by faith, by faith, God has saved us. It is by faith through grace that he's done it, not through works lest any man would boast. And he says, therefore, everybody said, therefore. See, once you've decided that you want to be in the body of Christ, there are some things that you sign up for and you sign up for the kingdom. And here's the thing you need to know that in a kingdom, there is no Senate. There is no Congress. There is no judicial branch in the in the kingdom. There is no government like the one we're used to. It is a theocracy, which means that whatever the king says, that's what we do. <laughs> whatever the king says is right. That's what's right. Whatever the king says is wrong. That's what's wrong. Whatever the king says I need to use my life for, that is what my life is used for. My opinion doesn't matter in the kingdom of God. The only opinion that matters is God's. And since he has given us this great gift, since he has given us the gift of justification and given us something that our works could never earn, since he's given us something that we can never attain, since we have been justified by faith, the first thing he wants you to know is that you have peace with me. Everybody say, I have peace. Yeah. I want you to know that in the world when you came, you were an enemy of God. Not because he hated you, but because sin was in your DNA and God cannot befriend sin. <laughs> God cannot befriend sin because he is holy and righteous. That, that's why I'm, I, I was loving the music lined up right with what we were singing. Holy, there is none like you. We need to talk more in the church again about the holiness of God. We need to talk more again in the church about the reverence and the fear of God that you don't just come before God with any old kind of way. I'm not talking about the clothes you wear. I'm talking about the attitude of your heart that you wear. That when you come by God, come to God, you come with a bowed down head and a bowed down heart realizing that I'm coming to someone who is bigger than myself and I'm not coming here as a favor to him. I'm coming here because he did a favor for me. He allowed me to be saved. He allowed me to reach heaven. He allowed me to come into his kingdom and now I'm worshiping him not not because that's what the worship leader said. I'm worshiping him because he gave me something I can never give myself. He's given me peace. <laughs> For millennia, men have fought with each other and fought wars. There are still wars going on, and they're over. There are only about 200 years that we cannot find verifiable wars that man has not been fighting. That's just simply because we didn't know where they were, probably, because mankind has always been fighting. But at some time, when the time for the war is over, they sign a treaty, and it's called a treaty of peace. 
It means that now that we are going to a new relationship, there are new expectations, there are new guidelines. You don't just get peace. You get peace, but something comes with that peace. And the first thing I want you to know is that you have peace of God. You have the assurance of salvation by grace through faith, and that brings us hope. The Bible says we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, which is important for us to know because you can't get peace with God unless you first go through Jesus. I don't care if you're a good person. I don't care if you do good things. The only way to peace with God, according to the word of God, is Jesus. I was listening to somebody, uh, an atheist, and he, he was talking about how he came to Christ. And the reason he, they asked him why he came to Christ. And, and uh, he said, because I searched other religions and all the religions would always say that there were many ways to Christ. But when they spoke to to about Jesus, they would say he was one of the ways. <laughs> but when I got to Jesus, he said he was the only way, <laughs> which means that everybody else mentions him, but he doesn't mention anybody else. <laughs> So why don't I just trust the one that everybody says is the way? And he even says himself that he is the way. There's one way to Christ, to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. We have to accept what he's done for us on the cross. We have to believe by faith. And this is one of the benefits of the peace treaty that God has given us once we come by grace through faith. Verse 2, let's read it together. I want you to, I want you to read the first part of that because you need to know what's in your peace treated. What does it say we've gained? Verse, Romans chapter 5 verse 2, what does it say? Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand. Hallelujah. Stop right there. I've gained access to God. See, man had gotten dirty and they couldn't become, uh, they couldn't come to God. God put a sacrificial system in place to let them know how to get to him in the future. And, and priests would come up and they would slay the, the, the blood of bulls and goats. And when they did that, they were seeking to atone for the sins of mankind. And by the time we get to the time of Jesus' death, they have a temple which they have erected to God. But there's something that's peculiar about this temple. You know why? Because when you go into the temple in the earlier days, they had something called the Ark of the Covenant. And the Ark of the Covenant was the place where the, the Shekinah glory of God would dwell. And that's where the Ark was. And they would place the blood on the mercy seat. But many people don't know this, but by Jesus' time, they had a building that looked like church. But the Ark of the Covenant was no longer there. <laughs> so they had a building that looked like church, but they were missing the presence of God. Y'all don't know any places like that, do you? <laughs> like the temple they had, they're big and they're beautiful and they're filled with people and millions of people flock to them, but yet they're missing the presence of God. <laughs> I don't want to be in a place that looks nice and, and has everything that, that's aesthetically pleasing, but the presence of God is there, not there. I'd rather be in a shack on, on the side of the road with no air conditioning as long as the presence is there, Brother Ernie, because the presence of God is what I seek. Yes. <laughs> Cushion pews are great, but they're not that great without the presence of God. I grew up in a time, and I'm dating myself, when there wasn't cushion on the pew. They were just hard, and they would hurt the back of your legs. You remember that? But people would sit there for hours. Why? Because they weren't seeking comfort. They were seeking the presence of God. 
Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. He, <laughs> he told Nicodemus, the father, he told the woman at the well, rather, the father seeks those that will worship him in spirit and truth. I want to encourage somebody that may be listening to me this morning that you might be in a storefront and your ministry may not be as big. That doesn't mean you're not as, as, as significant. What validates you is not the size of your congregation. What validates you is the presence of God. You don't want to be what we call Ichabod, where the presence has come out from you. But you want to be a place where people come and they can receive truth and they can receive healing mentally, physically, spiritually, however God wants to do it, because it's not us that does it, but it is the presence of God manifest that does those things. And what God is saying is that you now have access to my presence. It was said that the veil of the temple was put together so thick to keep people out that if you put two team of oxen together then put them on each end, they could not tear that veil apart. But when Jesus died on the cross, the Bible said that the veil of that temple was rent. It was torn from the top to the bottom. What does that mean? You don't need a priest to get to me anymore. The final sacrifice had been put on the altar. And this time I didn't use the altar in the temple. I used the altar on Golgotha. And that blood that is touching Golgotha which is touching the mercy seat in heaven now gives you access to me and you have full access to me which means there are some things that you might not get in the natural world but you'll get from me because I have access a lot of times when we, we did camp we would put these little badges around them. When we do regional convention, you have these little badges. And what those badges indicate, why do some people have badges and some people don't? Because there's a place for the general population. But just for safety and other reasons, there's places where other people can't go because they don't have access. <laughs> and what that little badge says is that you're approved to go through this door. And other people might not be able to go through the door, but there's nowhere in this place that you are restricted. God gives some general blessings to everybody. You know, you have to be saved. You know that he gives life to everybody. You breathe and you can breathe and not be saved. And guess what? You, you can eat and not be saved. You can live in a big house and a nice car and not be saved. But the problem is that stuff goes away with time. It deteriorates with time. I don't want access to that stuff. That stuff is great. But what I really want to change my focus to is the things that money can't buy. And what God is saying is that when I died for you on the cross, Jesus is telling us, I gave you access. I gave you access to healing. Doctors are great, and, uh, and God allows us to use doctors for what they can do, but sometimes doctors come to a limitation, and that's a place where you can come up and the doctor shakes his head and says healing is on the other side of that door, but all the treatment that we know can't give you healing, and that's when you say, that's okay, I believe in Jesus. I still got access. I'll walk in that door anyway. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> There are some places that, the, that you can go through the temporal world and you can fix some things and situations and, and, and you, can, you can fix your financial problems. Sometimes you don't need the spirit to fix your financial problem. You need discipline to fix your financial problem. You need to be able to use the budget and not eat out so much and to be a good steward of your finances. But sometimes disaster hits and it has no, uh, nothing to do with how good a steward you are. And when you need that, there are some things that the mortgage banker can't do for you. There are some ways that the mortgage banker 
bank or, or the regular loan officer can't provide and they'll say, I'm sorry, you can't do this because I can't give you access to those funds. And you can say, that's fine. I don't need access to your funds. I've got access to funds. The cattle on a thousand hill belongs to God. Hallelujah. I was reminded of a story as we were on vacation this week, and my nephew Stetson, he went out, and when we went out, we went to the seashore, and as we went out to Lake Michigan, we were looking, and all of a sudden, he started shouting, and I said, what's wrong with him? And I looked up, and floating in the water was a $50 bill. <laughs> And he grabbed it and he went back and he ran back to tell everybody, why am I telling you this? Because it reminded me of a story. Because they went to Jesus and said, uh, hey, your people don't pay taxes, do they? Where are your taxes, Jesus? Where do you need to pay taxes? And you know Peter had a little tax trouble. He was a businessman. Businessmen don't like the IRS, just to let you know. Most times they don't like the IRS. And Peter didn't have enough. And Jesus said, I'll tell you what you do. He says, I need you to do what you normally do. Go about your everyday. I want you to go fishing. But this time, the first fish you catch, I want you to open it up and look in its mouth. And when Peter opened up that fish and looked in his mouth, his taxes and Jesus' taxes were paid. What am I telling you? It's good that we have natural stuff in the church and natural stuff in the world, but we try to look so normalized to the outside that we sometimes give away the access to power that God has already given us. We try to rationalize away faith. We try to rationalize away healing. We try to rationalize away deliverance so we will look good to the educated elite, but your education does you no good without the power of God because Acts 1 and 8 said and you shall receive power after that that the Holy Ghost has come upon you you can't do anything without the power of God education is good if you got power with it but get the power first and worry about the education second Amen. <laughs> go to the doctor that's fine if you got a diagnosis go to the doctor but go to your knees before you get up to go to the doctor's office because God can do what the doctor can't. And because you have what he is given and everything he has for you, it's access. That's why it says, and now if we believe by faith, we are Abraham's seed and heirs according to the promise. Guess what? We are his children. My children know something. We went out and we were going out and I noticed how my children would come. They never once said, hey, the gas going to this trip is a lot or that we've been spending a lot of money and we, they were taking them to a fancy restaurant and doing everything. We had spent a ton of money on this vacation. But you know what? Even though we had spent it, not one time did they say, Daddy, we spent too much money. They ran right back to me and they kept smiling and they said, you know what? Daddy, every time I come to you, you've never been without. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to smile. I'll let you worry about the rest. But I'm knowing that whatever I need, Daddy has supplied. So Daddy will keep supplying. Why are you worried about your bills? Why are you worried about checks? Why are you worried about that job thinking that job is providing for you? You can leave that job and God will give you one five times better. Why? Because your father has given you access and there's nothing that you need that he will not supply. Amen. Hallelujah. He'll supply it for you. We have been given access by faith into the grace. This is salvation. This is the plan of salvation. Our salvific future rests on what Christ did. And he's called us into the grace, into the Bible says, into which we stand. Now, you could overlook that when he's saying into which we stand, but that's important for us. He uses a type of verb in the Greek, which is the present tense, which means it's always the now. 
<laughs> which means that we are the same faith and grace they were standing in. I'm standing in right now. We, everybody say, we now stand. You now stand in the grace of God. You now stand in the vein of the spirit where God has saved your soul and granted you access to heaven. When you die, he's granted you access to heaven. And because of that, we rejoice, he says, in the hope of the glory of God. But here's the thing. This is what I found peculiar at first when I was young, but now I don't. It says not only that, but we rejoice in our suffering. That's not a very seeker-sensitive sermon. <laughs> People don't like to preach about suffering. But why are we rejoicing in our suffering? Because our position has changed. He said into the faith in which we now stand, which means that my position used to be here, but now my position is there. Brother Rodney, I want you to stay right there. Brother Bob, come stand right here. Victor. Come here real quick. Stand right there. Face the crowd. Lath, if you'll come right here. From there. Yeah. Pastor Ernie, stand up and look at that wall that way. Hey, Howard, would you stand up for me and look this way? Now, all these men are in this room. Matter of fact, Brother Mike, would you mind? I don't want to put you on spot, but if you don't mind, would you stand for me? All these men are in the same room. But they see different things. They're all in the same place. They're all in the same place, space. But they're turn this way. Matter of fact, these two are looking at the same chair. But it looks different depending on where they're sitting. Your position. See, I want you to know this, that where you sit determines what you see. And what you see determines how you respond. <laughs> if I put all my faith in stuff and my vision only goes far as, as the here and here, when I lose the stuff, I jump off of a building. <laughs> because I've lost all hope because that's all I see. If I lose my health here and the doctor says I'm terminal and there's nothing that can be done, it doesn't seem like God is healing me, I lose all my hope because the only thing I can see is here. But if my vision goes beyond here and to the after <laughs> and I see what God has granted for me, that even when I die, the end is not the end, but only the beginning, I react differently because I realize that what I'm seeing determines on where I'm sitting. That's why one person can have cancer and the doc and not be getting any better and they have despair and the other one is rejoicing in God because one of them is saying my life is over and one of them is saying my life is just about to begin because what you see determines on where you sit. You can sit, guys. Thank you. He's letting us know that we're standing in a different position. And when we're standing in a different position, our perspective should change. That's why suffering doesn't bother the believer 
like it bothers other people because I heard the word say, I reckon that the present sufferings of this present age are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed. What is it saying? What I, where I sit determines what I see. That's why you want to go deeper in God and you don't want to just be a carnal Christian because you can gain more hope when you sit here. I'm glad when I have trouble in my life. You know why? Because when I come through the trouble, he said that when you fall into those troubles and he's talking to a group of Christians in a place that is antagonistic to Christianity they do not like Christians we get mad when people cancel us but they cancel them for real for real everybody said for real for real they cancel them not by blocking them but they cancel them by separating their head from their body they cancel them by putting oil on them and lighting them on fire. That's how they cancel Christians back in the day. You, sometimes we don't want to be Christians because we don't want to lose our social acumen. And we don't want to lose our friends and the people we go out to eat with. These people were willing to lose their very life. Why? Because they realized something. They had been with Jesus and where they sat determined what they saw. That's why Stephen wasn't even upset. So when you notice the book of Acts, Stephen has been stoned and about to lose his life and he's not one time saying Lord why didn't you let me have let this happen because sometimes being on your back is a blessing you know why because when Stephen was on his back dying he could look up and the Bible says when he looked up he looked up and the clouds opened up and he said I see something different he said I see the son of man standing on the right side of the father <laughs> I'm not worried about death because where I'm sitting right now determines on what I'm seeing. And I'm not going to react like other people because I see things that you don't see. <laughs> That's why people, when this casket is rolled out here, it's okay to weep. The Bible says weep, but it says weep for, and not as those who have no hope. It's okay to cry when you lose a loved one. It's okay to experience pain, but it's not okay to experience despair because if you know God, you know this is not goodbye. This is just I see you later and you can have a peace that even though they're gone they're not really gone I will see them again where you sit determines what you see everybody said where you sit determines what you see and what you see determines how you respond that's why some of us need to be praying for God to increase our faith my brother has a picture on the wall in his bathroom. I saw it. It said, Lord, it said, don't pray for God to take away your struggles. Pray for him to make you strong. Sometimes things in life you got to go through. But this hope in which we now stand, God has given us access to salvation. And we don't act like those who have no hope. And this is what the Bible says. He says that we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. Every time I go to the gym, you might hate it. But after a while, even though it makes you sore, what it's doing is building up endurance. So the next time you go, that thing won't bother you anymore. You'll be strong enough to endure it. Sometimes we run away from pain, but what we're really doing is building up our spiritual muscle so that when we come into that thing again, not only will we be strong enough to go through it and survive, but we'll be strong enough to grab somebody else who is not strong enough and say, I know what it's like to go through these things, and you may be experiencing it differently, but come on, I'll walk with you through these things. 
He says that, that suffering produces endurance and produ endurance produces character. What is character? Character is who you are in the dark. Amen. Woo. Thank you, Holy Ghost. That's not in my notes. But that's how you say it. Character is who you are in the dark. You can be anybody when you're on the phone with the pastor. <laughs> but who are you in the dark? You can say whatever you want about how much faith you have while you feel good. But what happens when the doctor said we notice the mass? Who are you then? Do you still believe God will heal? Do you still believe God will deliver? You can say, I, I trust God to meet my needs and I, my God will meet all my needs according to my, his riches and glory. But what happens when you come home and your house is in ashes and your house is burned down and you lost everything to your name? Do you still treat God the same way? In those dark days, it reveals who we really are. You want to test somebody, see them in their worst, darkest time. That's who your character is. Who are you when there's nobody around to see you? And that's why we rejoice, because we know everything we go through, everything that those Christians went through, every time that they had to run for their life, every time that they had to realize, I lost a loved one because they would rather die than go and give up on Christ, they decided that it was going to build something up in them. It didn't make them weaker. It made them stronger, and it made them persevere. I want you to know that you're going to have to persevere in these days because we're walking right back into a time when it is no longer popular to be a Christian, but it makes you not somebody that people look up to, but somebody that people look down on. It makes you a target. And if you're going to be in the church of God in these last and evil days, you have to be okay with people not being okay with you. You have to be okay with being the only person at the table that believes what you believe. You have to be okay with being insulted. You have to be okay with being ostracized, even by weak water church members, because every Everybody in the church doesn't have the church in them. Ain't none of this in my notes. Thank you, Holy Ghost. But God wants to prepare us to survive in these days and give us endurance. Endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. The Holy Spirit pours the love of God into your heart. That's why when people are angry at you, you can pray for them. When people are calling you a Jesus freak or, or saying that, that, that you're a, you're, that's, that's a cuss word now. And when they want to say, you say you have values, well, you're, you're an evangelical Christian. Well, that's their slight to say, we don't like your values. That's okay. And some of the people I've heard them call that aren't Christians at all. But what they're saying is, we don't like Judeo-Christian values. That's what this world says. Because if you have Judeo-Christian values, that means some of the stuff I want to do, God's not okay with. And I'm not okay with God not being okay. So I just pretend he's not there. Whether or not you see him or not, he's still there. He still doesn't approve. He's still there to save you from your sin. Most people will point at people because they have one sin, they don't want God to save them from. The problem is the, God doesn't save just one part of you. He saves all of you, which means that you don't get to keep the parts you want to keep. When you come to Jesus, you give him everything. 
the big ones and the small ones, the ones people know about and the ones they'll never find out about, you give him every piece of you. That's why a lot of people never come to God because they think God is a 50% off sale. I buy one, get one, I give you half of myself. And they're not coming to the real Jesus because if you come to the real Jesus, he doesn't need a sale. It's all or nothing. You can come to church, but if you don't get all, you're wasting your time. Prove it, Pastor Matthew 25. In your name, I cast out demons. In your name, I did mighty works. Yeah, you did. But I had your works and not your heart. And it's all or nothing. I'd rather have your heart than have your works, because if I have your heart, I have your works. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Holy Ghost. This is what I love, guys. Verse 6, I want you to see this. Pull up verse 6. Let's read it together. Is this blessing anybody? Yes. I know it's blessing me. What does it say? We're going to go just keep flowing, guys, until I stop. It says, what? For while we were still weak, at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. We're going to stop right there for a second. Y'all keep that scripture up. I want you to pay attention to something. All of us were ungodly. There's nobody in here who's exempt. At one time, you were ungodly. There's no, he died for the ungodly except for me. All of us were ungodly. All of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He died for all of us. But here's the thing which makes it beautiful. He explains why this is beautiful. What's that next verse say? For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps a good person, one would even dare to die. Why do we like our military so much? Because our military makes the ultimate sacrifice. They're willing to lay their lives down for their country. And that's why we honor them and we respect them and we show, give them parades and things. Because they're willing to give their lives so we can be safe. That's something, because that's the ultimate sacrifice. You don't get another life on this side, uh, but you'll get another life on that side. And they're willing to give it up, all up for the safety of other people. And Paul is saying, that's a rare characteristic. For Haley, Mia, Anna, Robin, I give my life. I like y'all. <laughs> no, I give my life. To protect you too. We have people all around you to protect you and you don't even know it. But let's be honest, there are some people that we wouldn't die for. There are some people, matter of fact, we push them in front of the bus. <laughs> yeah. Might as well be real. But Jesus looks at those same people who probably deserve to be in front of the bus, and he steps in front of the bus and pushes them out of the way. That's love. What kind of love is that? That for the liar and the thief and the adulterer and the murderer and the hatred, the hater, the backbiter, for the rapist, for the serial killer, that if they repent, he died for them. 
for the most irreparable things, the most uncomprehensible, violent thing. Christ died for all those people. And we remember back, he said, and such were some of you. Such were some of us. Maybe not in those acts, but in other acts, we were rebellious. And he loved us that much. Let's go to the next verse. I don't have to preach it. The word preaches for itself. What does it say? But God shows his love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He didn't wait for you to stop sleeping around to die for you. He didn't wait for you to stop gossiping to die for you. But while you were still promiscuous, he died for you. While you were still living with somebody you weren't married to, while you were still with other married people and you were married, while you were still cheating on your taxes, while you were still lying to people, while you still had hatred in your heart, he died for you. Knowing full well that some of us would reject him, but his love is that strong. Mm. During worship, the altar should be full. Why? Because you, when you realize how strong a love, do you know how strong a love like that is? Not when we promised we were going to get better. You know, we lied to the past, past, I'm going to do better. You're not going to do better. Not right now. <laughs> And the pastor knows it, but he knows it because we do, you do the same thing to me sometimes that you do to the Lord. How many times have I told this lie? Lord, if you let me get out of this, I promise I never would. <laughs> oh, we, we got some honest people today, don't we? <laughs> and as soon as the Lord lets us out of it, we go right back. Amen. We weren't scared of God. We were scared of the consequences. That's another sermon for another day. <laughs> we're not going to go there. But even when we were like that, and we didn't have him on his mind. He looked at all of that, knowing, and still did this. Wow. As we get ready to close, in just a second, hold on one second, turn on, because that's my trigger. That's a musician's trigger. Yeah, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> as soon as I hear that, I, my hands do this. <laughs> Let's go to verse 9. What does it say? Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. Ooh, Jesus. Somebody should be shouting now. For if while we were enemies of God, we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more now that we are reconciled shall we be saved by his life? Jesus. Keep going. One more. More than that, we also rejoice in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we now have received reconciliation. We've been learning all these buzzwords, and I'm not giving them to you just so you'll know them, but I want you to keep those in. I want you to know what justification is. That Christ made it just as if I've never sinned. I want you to know what a propitiation is, that Christ is the substitute for our sins. But this is one of my favorites. Reconciliation. That means that despite me, God saved me in spite of me. Oh, Jesus. 
<laughs> he saved me. In spite of me, you don't know everything about me, but I know everything about me. And I know you don't know everything I've done, but I know everything I've done. And if you're like me and you're a normal person, that should make you raise your hand and say, God, I thank you that you saved me in spite of me. We've received it. Everybody say, I receive. Somebody say, I believe that I receive. You've received reconciliation. The gap has been bridged. You're no longer enemies of God if you know Jesus. He calls you a friend. Poor Jesus. And we know we don't deserve it. <laughs> That's what makes it that much more special. That's why Stetson shouted so much, because that doesn't normally happen. $50 bills don't come floating off of Lake Michigan. <laughs> but when the unusual happens, it sparks praise. And when a sinner that deserves death, hell, and the grave doesn't get what they deserve and they get a home in heaven, that should spark what? Pray. So if you've done that and God has saved your life, why don't you stand to your feet and however you want, give God some praise in this building. Begin to worship him. Begin to lift him up. And as our, our prayer team comes forward, if you don't know them, now you can. We've got people here that are praying for you, that can pray for you. If you just want to come to the altar, you can come to the altar. We want to agree with you in prayer. It's, o it's open. Hallelujah. God is...